following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Christmas Eve, December 24, 2020, on the basis of Isaiah 7, verses 10 through 14. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. So what do you do with Christmas at the end of a year like this? Going back at least as far as the middle of the previous century, people have observed that there are actually two separate holidays celebrated this time of year, both of them called Christmas. On the one hand, there's the religious celebration where Christians remember the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. On the other hand, there's what we might call the civic or the societal holiday, the one that consists of all the parties and all the presents the decorations and the cookies, Santas sliding down chimneys and mischievous elves sitting on shelves. And while I think it's fair to say that non-religious people, non-Christian people, just celebrate that one version of Christmas, most Christians, certainly most Christians in America, actually celebrate both. But what do you do with Christmas at the end of a year like the one that we've had? In most years, Christmas can serve one of two purposes in our country. On the one hand, it might be sort of a a collective, self-administered pat on the back as we congratulate ourselves on everything that we've accomplished by closing out the year with a bang. On the other hand, it might be more an act of self-medication as we try and actually forget everything that's gone wrong in the past years so that we can turn the page and start again. Of course, in in most years, it's probably some sort of combination of both. But at the end of a year like this one, I'm not sure how much patting ourselves on the back we should really do. And I'm also not sure whether even a medicine that is as strong as Christmas can help us forget 2020. So what do you do with Christmas at the end of a year like this? I don't know, maybe this year Christmas should have just been canceled. The idea has been suggested, of course, and believe it or not, it would not have been the first time it's happened. That actually happened in England back in 1647. Holly and other types of Christmas decorations were declared to be illegal. Lavish feasts with large groups of people were outlawed. Businesses were required to stay open on December 25th as if it were any other day of the year, and soldiers actually patrolled the streets making sure that all of these laws were enforced. After a year like the one that we've had, maybe that's just what we should have done. Maybe this year Christmas should have been canceled. What do you think? Tell you what, we'll come back to that question a little bit later, but in the meantime, as we try and figure out what to do with Christmas at the end of a year like this, we have in front of us this evening, this Christmas story. Maybe not a familiar one, maybe not even one that you've heard before. It's not that familiar Christmas story that stars Mary and Joseph and Caesar Augustus and the shepherds. Instead, the cast of this Christmas story includes people named Ahaz and Rezin and Pika and some guy named Tiglath-Pileser. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to remember any of those names. But as much as it seems like this would be a strange story to be looking at tonight, I'm convinced it's actually the perfect Christmas story for us to be looking at tonight. Why? Because it's a story that shows us that even after a year like this, 
Christmas still has something to offer. Christmas still brings something to the table. In fact, far from needing to be canceled this year, as we look at these verses from Isaiah chapter 7, they will show us that Christmas delivers the perfect gift for a year like this. What is that gift? Well, we'll get there. But for starters, as you probably know, every good Christmas story has a villain. Think about it. You've got Ebenezer Scrooge. You've got the Grinch. You've got that mean old teacher who told Ralphie that he'd shoot his eye out if he got a Red Ryder BB gun. Well, in this Christmas story, the villain is a man by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz was a king who ruled in Jerusalem about seven centuries before Jesus was born. Like every king who ruled in Jerusalem, Ahaz had high hopes for his reign as king. And for the kings that ruled in Jerusalem, that meant measuring up to the very high bar that had been set by Israel's greatest king, King David. Problem was, it had been a a terrible year for King Ahaz, a year sort of like 2020. All around him, power was shifting. New alliances between nations were forming. And just to survive, just to save his own skin and stay on his throne, Ahaz was forced to choose between joining one unholy alliance or joining another unholy alliance. And in either case, Ahaz was going to be just a a minor player on the global scene. He was going to be a pawn in someone else's game. In other words, all of Ahaz's high hopes had been shattered and all of his deepest fears had come true. Well, through the prophet Isaiah, God wanted Ahaz to know that everything was going to be okay. He just needed to trust that God would deliver him. In fact, God said that Ahaz could ask for a sign, anything that he wanted. He could ask God to prove that he was going to do what he promised. This was an offer that Ahaz couldn't refuse. Well, except that he refused it. He much preferred to rely on his own might his own strength, his own intellect, his own diplomatic skill. And so in response, as you heard, God decided to give Ahaz a sign anyway. Only this wasn't a sign of of just what was going to happen in the next 12 months. It wasn't even a sign of God's three or five or 10-year plan. No, this was really a sign of God's 700-year plan. Through the prophet Isaiah, here's what the Lord said. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So if there's one verse in this Christmas story that maybe sounds a little bit familiar, that's probably it. That verse gets read a lot around Christmas time. But in the context, God is telling his people much more than the simple fact that when Jesus was eventually born, his mother would be a virgin. Especially in the verses that follow this one, God is actually telling his people about the entire circumstances that would surround Jesus' birth. Let me summarize. The kingdom that Ahaz ruled would never return to glory. The throne on which he sat would be abdicated, and the royal house to which he belonged would be cut off. But into just such a world as that, when there was no wealth, No power, no glory, no fame, no recognition, no status left. A virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. And that would be the sign. That would be the signal 
that God was with them, that he was Emmanuel. This is the gift that God gave to his people. He gave them this sign. He gave them this signal that God was not to be found when all of their high hopes came true. He was not to be found when somehow all of their deepest fears were avoided or kept at arm's length. No, instead, when all of their hopes were shattered, when all of their deepest fears had come true, in other words, when God seemed farthest away, when God seemed nowhere to be found, that would be their sign, that would be their signal, that God was closest at hand, that he was with them as Emmanuel. Friends, believe it or not, that's actually the same gift that God wants to give to you this Christmas. How do I know that? Well, how do you know that any gift that's under the tree belongs to you? Your name is written on the tag. And I don't know if you caught it, but that's exactly what happened in that other Christmas story that you heard before, the familiar one with Mary and Joseph and Caesar Augustus. 700 years later, God delivered the gift that he had promised to give, and on that gift, he put a tag. And that tag said, to you. Actually, there were two gifts that the angel announced over the Bethlehem skies that evening. First, the angel said, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. It's pretty hard to get through Christmas without hearing about and and talking about that gift of a Savior each year. But we don't want to miss the second gift. The angel went on to say, this will be a sign to you. So gift one, the gift of a Savior, a rescuer, a deliverer, someone whose job it would be not to make all of our high hopes come true, but to make even higher ones come true. Someone whose job it would be not to take all of our deepest fears and help us avoid them and keep them at arm's length, but instead to deliver to us a salvation that allows us to conquer those fears. He would come to defeat all of our spiritual enemies, to rescue us from our slavery to sin and our captivity to death. That Savior is gift one, but again, don't miss gift two, a sign a signal. Here's how you know where to find him. Here's how you know where he'll be. What is it? A politician, a a mighty ruler, a powerful general, a billionaire CEO? No, the angel said, you will find a baby. And where will you find him? On a stage at a rally with thousands of his supporters cheering his name? in an arena or a football stadium packed with all of his fans, on Twitter or Instagram with millions of followers who are worshiping the virtual ground that he walks on. No, the angel said, you will find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger because the Savior wasn't welcome anywhere else. Friends, God wants to give to you exactly the same gift that he gave to Ahaz and his Old Testament people. He's sort of like the police commissioner in Gotham City who is shining that bright spotlight up into the night sky. He's sort of like the third base coach who's tugging on his ear and and wiping the brim of his cap. He's saying to you, here's the sign, here's the signal. When you are convinced that God is nowhere to be found, when you are positive 
that you have lost his trail, when you are absolutely certain that he is farthest away, that's how you will know. That's how you can be absolutely positive that you are in the right place. That he is with you and you with him. And I think you'd agree that's the perfect gift for 2020. You know, maybe like a, a lot of people, you are convinced that the best thing about 2020 is that it's almost over. Maybe you're also convinced that the only thing that will make 2021 better is if everything improves, if the pandemic is finally over, if our societal unrest finally calms and our deep divisions in this country finally heal. And you know what? Maybe all of that will happen. But what if it doesn't? Or what about if the next thing comes along shortly thereafter? What about when the next thing comes along? What happens when, in spite of all of our best efforts to hustle and to pivot the way that we've done in 2020, finally all of our high hopes for our education and our career and our family have been shattered? Or what happens when, in spite of all of our best efforts to stay safe and to keep danger at arm's length, our deepest fears come true? A child gets sick, a parent dies, a marriage falls apart. We might be tempted to think that in that moment, God has packed his bags and taken a vacation, that he is farthest away. But friends, in that moment, this gift, this sign, this signal is most important to let us know that there and then, especially there and then, God is close at hand. In fact, that one time when Christmas got canceled, back in England in 1647, it actually wasn't because a, a bunch of bad things had happened that year. In fact, Christmas was actually canceled that year by a group of well-meaning Christians who were convinced that Christmas had just gotten too big, too lavish, too extravagant. In other words, Christmas was canceled not because everything had gone wrong that year. No, Christmas was canceled because at least according to the normal definition, everything had gone very much right. In contrast, this week I decided to, to sit down and find out what Christmas was like in years where everything did go wrong, years that might resemble 2020. For example, from 1861 to 1864, when our nation was fighting a civil war. Or how about in 1914, the first year of World War I? Or 1918, when World War I had finally come to an end, but at the very same time, the Spanish flu was spreading like wildfire. Or how about 1941, when Christmas fell just 18 days after the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor? Christmas was not canceled in any one of those years. In fact, it's interesting, each one of those years has its own unique story about how Christmas was even bigger, more important, more meaningful to people at times like those. And so what about 2020? According to a, a recent cover of Time magazine, 2020 has been the worst year ever. I get it. But at the same time, I want to compare that to what the cover of our service folder says 
this evening. It says, the nativity of our Lord, A.D. 2020. A.D. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, 2020. If we didn't know any better, we might be tempted to think that those two little letters should maybe be scribbled out this year. Get the name of the Lord as far away from 2020 as we possibly can. But thankfully, we do know better. We have seen the Lord's sign. We have seen the Lord's signal. And if it is really true that when God is farthest away, when he seems to be entirely absent, that's when he is closest at hand. If that's his sign, then I think you'd agree that 2020 has, in fact, been one more year of our Lord, that his fingerprints have been all over it from the first day to the last. And because God shows us that sign, he also spares us from being Ebenezer Scrooge or the Grinch or any other villain in our own Christmas story. I think you'd agree, it is so very easy for us to think exactly as Ahaz did. To think that the entire point of life is for our high hopes to be realized and for our deepest fears to be avoided at all costs and for us to think that all of that depends on our strength, our intellect, our skill. Well, one thing that this Christmas story is unfortunately missing, that most other Christmas stories include, is that usually by the end, the villain comes around. Scrooge did. The Grinch did too. Sadly, Ahaz did not. Instead for that, we actually need to turn to some characters in that other Christmas story, those shepherds. You know, usually when I've thought about the shepherds over the years, first and foremost, I've thought about how nice it was of God to invite those shepherds first. He didn't invite the politicians or the professional athletes. He didn't invite the CEOs or the celebrities. Instead, he invited those shepherds. Wasn't that nice? Well, sure it was. But as I thought about those shepherds this year, the more I realized that I think those shepherds were probably the only ones who would have actually shown up. I mean, imagine it. God goes to the palace. He goes to the halls of power. He goes to the halls of the university lecture hall. And he says, here's your sign. You're going to find a baby. Nah, we're too sophisticated for a sign like that. Or then he goes to some million-dollar mansion, some yacht parked off a private island somewhere down in the Caribbean, and he says, here's where you'll find the baby, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Nah, we're too comfortable, comfortable for a sign like that. But shepherds? Shepherds who had absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain, they didn't just go. They hurried off to find everything exactly as the angel had said. And friends, the good news is that you don't have to be a shepherd to be a shepherd. You can be smart. You can be talented. You can be accomplished. You can be wealthy and popular. But shepherds know that when they see that signal, when God shines that spotlight into the Gotham City skies, when God tugs on his ears and wipes across the brim of his cap, when God sends that signal, shepherds run toward it rather than away. Not to see God have all of their high hopes realized or all of their deepest fears avoided, 
but to have even higher hopes realized and help them overcome and conquer even their deepest fears. Shepherds say exactly what you just said. Come to us. Abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Why? Because Emmanuel delivers a Christmas gift that is perfect. Perfect for 1861, perfect for 1914, perfect for 1918 and 1941, and yes, perfect for 2020 as well. In fact, it's true. The hopes and the fears of all the years are met in him tonight. Amen.